1: Questions going out throughout Indian country and beyond. Sometimes they engage our interest. Sometimes they just cause us to stop and think. I'll be honest with you. When the question that we're going to answer in today's show first ran across my desk, I mean, it got my interest immediately, and I think it will yours as well. Here's the question that we're tackling. You ready for it? How do we stop global whining? That's right, global whining. Are you intrigued? I was. We've got a guest, Rini Cavallari. Rini, it is great to have you on the show.
2: Thank you so much. Nice to be here.
1: Rini, I know for many people who might be tuning in today, your name is not a strange name. You're the CEO of Aspire. It's a corporation based in the heart of Indian country there in Arizona. You're also the author of a series of books, the Aspire to book series, so many may know you, but for those who don't, tell us a little bit about yourself and why you've been so interested in this question, how do we stop global whining?
2: Well, for me, uh, who I am starts with I'm a mama. Um, I have a, a daughter who's 16 years old, so and she's driving. Um, I'm, of course, a business leader, and I, am, I am a woman, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter, uh, so that's who I am at my essence. In terms of this topic in particular, you know, I started Aspire 23 years ago, and in that journey, I've really worked with people, um, fortunately, all over the globe. And what I learned is that what I really do is help people affect progress and change in their lives and the lives of the businesses that they work in. And so I came to want to understand how do you help people shift because change really requires action, hmm. actional behavior. And so that was how I came to really have a lot of passion about this topic. And for me personally, how do you awaken your potential? I was very blessed because when I was uh, young, I had people who influenced me, my first flute teacher, my first lacrosse coach, as well as my parents and They really helped me understand that life was for living and to go out and explore and engage. And through that, you will have what you want in your life versus hoping that it might come for you.
1: Hmm. Very interesting perspective. So you have this upbringing early in life where you're basically not the victim of things happening around you, but you're someone who can really shape your own life, live your own life, awaken your own potential. Am I hearing you right, Reedy?
2: Actually, David, you, you are. And my story started when I was four. Um, I had a tragic experience where I lost my brother who wow. was 18 months. And it was really in that that sorrow that um, we all experience in life. We all have journeys that have, you know, bumpy roads. And for me, it was really having an environment that allowed me to look at life and say, well, you know, it's time to live because life can be short. And that's a really important lesson to learn. And so when you learn it at four or five or six, at obviously an unconscious level, that things happen. They can happen quickly. How will you live while you're here? That becomes a very important motivator for your life.
1: Now, tell us a little bit about your company. What is is Aspire all about?
2: Well, technically, Aspire does repositioning and strategy work with businesses to help them awaken the business's potential. And so we do training. We work with leadership all over the globe? And how do you align people so that they come together? Because when we're aligned, we have synergy. Mm-hmm. And when we have synergy, we can go places quickly, and we can enjoy that journey. And that's really what Aspire does with marketing, with a training, and strategy work.
1: So you're working with uh, high-powered companies all over the world. That's your background. And you start writing a series of books, apparently, out of that experience uh, in your consulting work?
2: That's correct, and it started with, you know, some were large companies, and David, to be honest, we became very intrigued with small and medium-sized companies where the resources aren't as prevalent. And so what applies to the large companies doesn't always apply to the small and medium, Mm -hmm. and yet what applies to the small and medium always applies to the large. It's a really interesting dynamic, and that's exactly what we focused on. It's how do we help people really come alive?
1: So tell us about this journey as you wrote these books. So first of all, tell us the title of the books and then give us a little synopsis of what a reader would get out of it.
2: The first book was Aspire to Be. And it was a collection of what we believe to be important aspirations that would help get a leader aligned with their people. And it would give them a topic to talk about each day, each week at a staff meeting, or at home in the evening. It was there really to... To stimulate thought and conversation with people. Mm-hmm. The second book was Aspire to Lead. And what happened was, having worked with amazing leaders for you know, decades, and from all different walks and talks, et cetera, I became really intrigued with well, what is it that makes some leaders have sustainable effectiveness? Mm-hmm. They're just, they just, Got it. You see it, you know it, they shine, right? They have a rhythm. And so we really started to look at what were those commonalities, and we identified what we refer to as the six pillars of intentional leadership. And these six pillars, we also found, were learned behaviors. So, this thing that sometimes people say, you know, leaders are born, Mm -hmm. we came to understand that that's just simply not true that anyone can become a leader when they apply these six pillars. And we also found out that those six pillars really reflected the leadership of your own life. So they were self-leadership skills as well as leaders in business because leadership is a behavior. It's not a position.
1: Hmm, Excellent. And you went from there to a third book. Is that right?
2: Yes, and then aspire to shine actually was a derivative of going out and meeting with people on aspire to lead. And as I shared these six pillars, which included the first pillar is connection, um, which is about rapport and trust. And the second pillar, clean communication, you know, how to really communicate with people in a highly effective way. The third pillar was compassion. Of course, we all understand empathy in that the sense of caring for other people and how that builds on your leadership and your life. The fourth was standing for a higher purpose. The fifth was engagement. And the sixth was to take responsibility and to be accountable for things. In talking about those six pillars, leaders and people came back and said, you know, the biggest challenge I face today is how do I motivate my people in my life? Mm. So it could have been a team of people in business, It could have been at home. It could have been a child. And that really became what intrigued me and my team next is that how do we help people understand, one, you can't motivate another person, and second, how do you turn on your motivational switch? And that's what Aspire to Shine is really about.
1: Boy, this is exciting stuff, and one of the things that really – resonated with me, Rini, and I feel is so applicable to my entire listening audience, whether they're listening today on a reservation, whether they're a Native American in an urban setting, whether they're not Native at all and just enjoy listening to the program, is this commonality between leadership in the workplace and, as you put it, leadership in your own life. Really, these principles apply to every single one of us, don't they? Absolutely.
2: Absolutely. They are synonymous. And when we take on these, these disciplines, these six pillars, we become intentional in how we're going to lead our lives. So it doesn't matter what platform you're leading from. It can be at home. It can be you know, out in, in a social environment. It can be in your business world. And it doesn't matter what your job is because our job is how we contribute to a team. It doesn't define us. What defines us is how we lead.
1: Hmm. We have got a great show coming up. Some of you have already sensed that with uh, Rini Cavallari. Rini, what we're wanting to do, just so uh, all our listeners are on the same page with you and me, is to walk through these uh, six pillars, help us illustrate these, and then transition to that whole big question of motivation, because I know it's a huge one for many people, whether they're trying to motivate themselves to accomplish more, or maybe it's motivating a, a child, a grandchild, someone else in their circle of influence. Help us understand this first pillar, uh, maybe by way of story, connection, talking about rapport, talking about trust. Does any illustration come to mind that would help us see the importance of that?
2: I will start with a story about myself. When I was in my late 20s, I was so blessed. I had a great mentor who saw my potential, and I became a strategist. And at the time, I didn't even know what a strategist did, but he had decided that that was my skill set, and he was accurate. I fell in love with that work, and strategy is helping identify how do you grow something, how do you you find new markets and new ideas and innovate, and so I thought that was the job, and I started to work with different teams inside our business to help them identify these opportunities,
3: mm-hmm.
2: and what I. Came to learn was having the answer wasn't really what the job was. Mm -hmm. Helping other people engage with me into that answer was the job. And I didn't know that. I was was young, and I thought, you know, strategy was having the answer, right? And Mm -hmm. that's why I got the job. And so connection was really this understanding that first we have to build rapport with people. And as we build and strengthen rapport, we build trust. And I would also liken it to falling in love, right? When we when we start first start to get to know someone and they get us excited, we can't wait to see them. We we build rapport, we build this sense of connection, and with the health of a relationship, any relationship, personal or business, we strengthen that to be about trust. And I learned from this experience that having the right strategy was only really half of helping people awaken the potential of the business that we were working on, what really was going to do that was when they felt a sense of connection and trust with me, then they could listen more. They could be challenged more. And quite honestly, when you're dealing with strategy work, you're dealing with change and change is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And so I was really needing to create a comfortable space to help people be uncomfortable.
1: Hmm. Well, that is an interesting concept, a comfortable space in which to help people be uncomfortable.
2: Yes, and that's when you know you've built connection. Because when people want to come and embrace and engage with a different idea, they're willing to take the risk because it feels uncomfortable. And the truth is, in life, nothing happens in our comfort zone in terms of our evolution, our, our becoming more of who we're intended to be. That's not where we really grow. We grow when we're pushed outside of our comfort zone, and that can be in your work. It certainly can be in your life. You know, uh, my daughter just turned 16. What she needs from me now, I mean, you know, when she drove away to drive to school the other day, it was uncomfortable for any number of reasons, mm-hmm. but we've created actually pillar two, which is clean communication, that she texts me when she got to school and that there's communication about how she drives and uses the car and all that. But when you have deep connection, then the other pillars become easier to apply to your life and in your work.
1: Well, I can see that this is very practical, not only in the workplace, but in our own personal success stories. Rini, I know there's some folks that are going to stay with us for the whole hour. If they can't, they're going to download the podcast. Uh, That is available if you're a listener through our Native Voice One uh, website and also through the Life Talk Radio website, two of the fine networks that host our show. But, um, Rini, if someone does have to run, they want to get some other material about you, about Aspire, or about your books, how do they do it?
2: Simple. Go to aspiremarketing.com, A-S-P-I-R-E, Marketing Spelled Out.com. You can order books there. Uh, you can reach out to me directly there. I'm open to that. Please do. And you can also find all the Aspire books, Aspire to Be, Aspire to Lead, and Aspire to Shine on Amazon.
1: Wow. Well, I know you're not going away. I'm not going away either. And I encourage you to stay by because Rini is going to be sharing with us some amazing insights, more amazing insights that can make a difference for your tribe, maybe for a tribal entity that you're working with, maybe a business. Maybe you, hey, you say, I'm, I'm retired. I'm a grandmother, grandpa. Uh, but you've got a sphere of influence in your own home. We're going to talk about some of these dynamics of leadership that can make a difference wherever you're at. Don't go away. We've got a lot more coming up on today's edition of American Indian Living. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Stay tuned for more.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's one 800 775 Four six, seven, three. We'll be right back after this. This is Betty White. I know you don't need one more thing to worry about, but listen. High blood pressure can cause kidney damage, blindness, heart attack, stroke. And you can have high blood pressure even if you feel all right. One in seven adults has it, but it's easy to get your blood pressure checked, and you can treat it if it is too high. So don't worry about it. Don't ignore it. Just see your doctor and check it out.
4: For your free booklet, visit the Will Rogers Institute at WRInstitute.org and find us on Facebook and Twitter. Emergency
5: medical unit, respond to 102 Maple Avenue, possible stroke victim.
4: When stroke occurs, you have 60 minutes to win or lose the race of your life. There are new treatments, but you must get to a hospital fast. If you suddenly feel weakness on one side, have trouble speaking, walking, or seeing, it could be a stroke. Call 911. Get to a hospital. Because how you spend the next 60 minutes could determine how you spend the rest of your life. Stroke, know the signs, act in time. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders in Stroke.
5: If you receive disability benefits, keeping Social Security informed is key. Keeping us informed minimizes the chance that we learn about something later that could negatively affect your benefits. That's the surprise no one wants because it creates overpayments that you must repay, disrupts payments, and can even jeopardize your entitlement to Social Security benefits. Learn more about reporting responsibilities for people working and receiving disability or SSI benefits by reading our online publications, Working While Disabled, How We Can Help, and How Work Affects Your Benefits at www.socialsecurity.gov pubs. Some changes can be reported online at www.socialsecurity.gov. You can also notify us at 1-800-772-1213 or contact your local Social Security office. Our goal at Social Security is to pay you the right amount on time every month. With your cooperation to keep us informed of changes, the likelihood of any unpleasant surprises that could derail your benefits will be greatly minimized.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE, 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back
1: with Dr. David DeRose and with Rini Cavallari. We're speaking about a question, a question that uh, I've never heard asked before, before uh, at least I saw things come across my desk speaking about Rini and the work she does. And the question is, what can we do or how can we stop global whining? Rini, before we... Pick up our our train of thought again about some of these uh, pillars of leadership, which which tie in really to the answer to the the question. From your vantage point, do we really have an epidemic of whining or complaining happening globally?
3: Well
2: like that, to me, you know, I think that um, we have a lot more vehicles of communication, and some of them we don't even have to be responsible for. Mm. You know, it used to be we had to have a, we had a conversation with another person, and and we were there having the conversation. Now we can post whatever we want, we can tweet whatever we want, we can you know send out whatever we want, and we don't and we can be anonymous at times. And mm. this really creates um, a, the potential for what I refer to as blaming and shaming. And we don't need to live in a world of blaming and shaming. You know, there's um, an ability to shine within all of us, and we need to create environments where we can shine. And if negativity is driving your life, then the opportunities don't show themselves because what you focus on comes true. So you're drawn. if you're listening to the negativity, what you see is the situation is negative. And when you are open to opportunities, when you, when you really have strong self-leadership skills, you naturally attract positivity, which opens up opportunities for you. I
1: mean This is great. It reminds me of many years back when I uh, learned of a psychologist who loved the statement, and it went like this, expression deepens impression. And that really resonated with me because I saw it. It was so true. People express the negative. It deepens that impression of negativity on them. And similarly, with the positive, we're speaking about pillars of leadership and how this all ties in. And you're walking us through these six pillars. Do us a favor for those just joining us. Recap the six pillars, just what they are, and then we'll pick back up uh, with them.
2: So pillar one is connection and that ability to create rapport. And that rapport actually builds trust. Pillar mm-hmm. two is clean communication, and it speaks to what you just said, which is expression, an effective expression creates an effective impression, and the opposite is true. And so there's a lot to know about clean communication versus clear communication.
3: Hmm, and pillar
2: okay. three is compassion. And compassion is that ability to have empathy for another person or to care deeply on compassion as, as a tool to help us um, not move into judgment of another person. Hmm. Pillar four is standing for your higher purpose or the higher purpose of the organization you might work for and how that motivates us because it's a major contributor in our life. Pillar five is participation. And that's really about how do we choose to engage? And are we taking an active role in participating or are we kind of laying back and being part of mediocrity? And then pillar six is 100% responsibility because when we own our own responsibility, then we can be held accountable. And that actually empowers us.
1: Hmm. I mean, these are profound. And we we started by really uh, delving in deeply to the, the topic, that first one, speaking about building rapport, of connecting. And as I'm thinking about this whole environment that you've been highlighting, this environment where it seems so easy to blame and to shame. I I can't think of uh, much else that would undermine connection, rapport, and trust if you feel like someone is uh, just being negative about you, about the workplace, about the tribe, the family, whatever it might be. Isn't this something that really erodes connection?
2: It does erode connection and actually erodes connection within our own self because mm. when we have that negativity, we just act differently. So I call, you know, there's energy generators, people who, you know, give you energy. Mm-hmm. And then there's the energy suckers, they're the people who suck energy from us. And so how we experience situations, environments that we might work in, we might live in, it changes based on the type of people that were around and we want to have people who really help um, us engage our energy and get excited about the right things. It doesn't mean this isn't, you know, you know, fluffy. This is true. It's that moment of, you know, you walk in your, your home and if someone's there and they're complaining and there's nothing nice to say, it changes your energy versus when you walk in and the same thing can be going on. And yet someone says, hello. And, but well, I have some things I want to talk to you about and I'm really worried about them versus they say, hey, I hope your day was a lot better than mine. And wow. that's all about pillar two, which is clean communication.
1: Well, this is really such an interesting topic to me. I'm thinking of uh, one of the hats I wear, which is still as a clinician, I think of one woman that typically comes in with a, a family member, an older family member, actually a parent, and I'm trying to, uh, of course, protect uh, the privacy of my patients. But this, uh, this woman, as she comes in with this parent on a regular basis, she continues to share about how negative this person is and how that makes her role as a caregiver is so much more difficult. And so I may try to motivate, I do try to motivate the individual in question to be more optimistic, more positive, talk about things. But that really is a challenge. And I think this is something that you've been confronted with because you mentioned your third book in the series of the Aspire books really deals with this whole piece of motivation. Am I correct?
2: Yes, and what you're speaking of is tricky because, you know, here you are, you have someone who is, you know, the caregiver and they're giving of themselves, and yet it's kind of a thankless job and it feels terrible a lot of the times because they have someone who's so negative. And really what we want to do is create a more accountable world. We can't motivate another person. But what we can say to that mama or to anyone around us, we can ask a question. Because when we ask questions, we shift people into a responsible or a more responsible communication. So we can say something like, you know, I can see that this is a really difficult time. Or we acknowledge, you know, I, I, can, I feel like you're angry with me when you're talking to me. And it makes me feel really, you know, sad because I'm working so hard what can you do different? Because I want to see you and feel good. Hmm. Right? So we find a way to acknowledge a person and yet at the same time ask them a question. And acknowledgement is different than agreement.
1: Tell us about that.
2: When we acknowledge a person, we're just acknowledging what they're saying. We're not necessarily saying, you know, I, when we say, I understand that you are mad about your hmm. life, that, that can be you're just saying, I understand that you're mad about your life. Versus us saying, you know, I'd be mad about your life, too. Mm -hmm. Or, you know what, you'd have a different life if you had a different attitude. That's not acknowledging. We have to acknowledge that this is a stressful situation or that the person has been in a bad mood for the last 10 years. Mm -hmm. We have to say what it is. And at the same way, this goes back to pillar three, compassion. We have to say it in a way another person can have it. And that's where our communication can get flawed because I may say the truth and I think I'm having clean communication. But if a person can't really have it, they can't hear it. So I have to find a way to acknowledge what is going on and speak from how I feel about it. You know, I feel like you're really mad at me and I suspect you're not mad at me. I just suspect you're mad at the situation. Well, blah, 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 blah. And when a person keeps repeating themselves, that's when we know that we're not acknowledging them enough because we repeat ourselves when we don't feel heard. Mm. And then we can ask a question to shift that conversation, to shift the mindset. And that's the big challenge. With self-leadership, it's not just about us being positive. It's about asking a question of relevance. So I can say to a person who's in a negative space, tell me how that negativity is serving you. Mm -hmm, And, mm -hmm. man, they they might get mad about it. But I can still say, well, what's one thing you can do to feel positive about what's happening today? Mm -hmm, And when mm -hmm. we ask that question, we put the responsibility in the chair over there. Mm
1: -hmm, mm -hmm. So I hear a lot of this coming back to the second pillar, which uh, you term clean communication. You made a point earlier, Rini, that there's a difference between clean and clear communication Tell us why you make a distinction there.
2: So I'm going to tell you a story. You're you out to lunch and uh, you, you know, sit down and you're having this nice meal and the person across from you has something in their teeth. The difference between being nice versus kind, if you're being nice, you say nothing because you don't want it to, it feels awkward, right? You, mm-hmm. you don't want it to be weird. It's, that if you were kind, you would say, you know, uh, Rini, you know, you have a little something in your teeth. So I could also say that. That's a clean communication. I'm saying what needs to be said in a way that I can have it. Now, if if you were to say to me, Rini, Like, you need to go to the ladies' room or or you say it loudly and other people Mm -hmm. might hear it or it feels embarrassing to me. Mm -hmm. Then I'll talk about, you know, I'll actually move to blaming and shaming. You know, this place always puts seeds in everything, Mm -hmm. right, versus Mm -hmm. just, oh, thank you so much. It's how we communicate. You know, my mom used to say, and I think a lot of people heard this growing up, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. Mm -hmm. And with clean communication, it's said in a way another person can hear it and have it. And with clear communication, it doesn't matter how I say it. I'm saying what I need to say. And that is really kind of irresponsible because if my communication doesn't land effectively, then I really haven't had the communication. Mm
3: -hmm. That's
2: why screaming doesn't work. That's Mm -hmm. why hollering doesn't work. Mm
1: Mm-hmm. Boy, these are, these are fascinating insights. We're talking with Rini Cavallari. She's CEO of Aspire Marketing, and she is the author of the Aspire 2 book series. Just a wealth of information. We've got a lot more coming up, but we have to step away. I'm Dr. David DeRose. We will be back with more on today's edition of American Indian Living. Don't you go away. A lot of great information to come in our next segment.
0: American Indian Living will continue in a moment. If you have questions or comments about today's pre-recorded broadcast, please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. So, you want to be a hero?
4: Here are some ways to get the job. Hunt down that killer shark. Or run into a burning house to save a kitten. Luckily, there's an easier way to become a hero. Call 911 if you see someone experiencing the symptoms of stroke. Sudden weakness on one side or trouble speaking, walking, or seeing. Stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. You'll be a real hero. A message from the National Institute of Neurological Disorders
5: and Stroke. Can you guess what's going on here? It's kids getting fit. Studies show that children and teens who get at least 60 minutes of physical activity a day reduce the risk of obesity, heart disease, anxiety, and increase their overall mood. So, whether it's around your neighborhood... Or at school, just get out and play. For your free booklet, visit wrinstitute.org or call toll-free 877-957-7575 and find us on Facebook and Twitter. The Will Rogers Institute since 1936.
0: Here again is Dr.
1: DeRose. You are back with Dr. David DeRose for the second half of today's edition of American Indian Living. We're talking about a question that probably was not on the tip of your tongue when uh, we started the show, but maybe right now we're talking about a question, how do we stop global whining? We're really talking about the issue of how we move on beyond blaming others or even blaming ourselves, and really achieve all we can at a tribal level, at a, at a community level, at an organizational level, in our homes. This uh, topic applies wherever you find yourself today. The person walking us through this very important dialogue is Rini Cavallari. Rini is the CEO of Aspire Marketing, based in the heart of Indian country there in the Phoenix area. Rini, just a little bit more for those who are trying to get a picture of, of who you are, what you do. Tell us a little bit more about your work and why these themes are not just an academic interest to you.
2: Well, we work with uh, hotels, resorts, and tourism. It is a very large client for the last 23 years. We also work with communities, and we help them strengthen their brands, So ensure their brand relevance is of significance, and we do that through improving their service experience, through improving their team member experience, training and development work, leadership development work. And then, as I mentioned earlier, we do a lot of strategy and repositioning. Mm-hmm. How is your messaging affecting and bringing in new customers so that you can stay relevant and be a market leader? Mm-hmm. And that ultimately people hire us because they want to improve where they are.
1: Now, I've gathered from talking with you, Reni your motivation in being on the uh, uh, talk show circuit, giving lectures throughout the country and uh, throughout the world is really not so much to drive people to aspire marketing, but it's really to share these concepts that are so life-changing. Have I sized you and your organization up correctly?
2: Uh, Absolutely. Our organization is about touching lives and I think for my own pillar four is higher purpose. I've been clear that my life is really about touching lives and helping people see their potential because we all have an extraordinary amount of potential. And when we tap into that, that's where our joy is. And for me, that was really what happened when I was, you know, younger in my youth, and I started to find things that brought me joy, whether it was playing the flute or lacrosse or being on an effective team and working in a great environment. That brings joy, and when you have joy, you shine. Hmm.
1: This is such a positive message, and I know there are people that may find themselves in a setting where they say, I just really need to connect with someone to walk me through this. I mean, there's some folks, maybe at a family level, they're not able to hire you as a consultant, but they surely could pick up your books, right? Would those be of relevance to an individual just trying to be more effective in their home?
2: Absolutely. There is no difference. When we shine, we shine. And so if we, you know, there's three elements that we identified and we looked at thousands of people I interviewed, literally hundreds and hundreds of leaders of various levels and organizations. And to me, leadership is a behavior, not a position. There were leaders that worked in housekeeping. There were leaders that were sales people and there were sales, you know, vice presidents and CMOs and CEOs. So all kinds of leaders. And we identified there were three real key components that those who were shiners, as I refer to them, mm-hmm. I do now, that shiners had that others did not.
1: Tell us about these three key components, because you got, you got all our interest uh, right now.
2: So the first we've been talking about, which is that self-leadership, that they really lived those six pillars. And by the way, those six pillars... I, you know, I'm working on them all the time. Hmm. It's not about perfection. It's about progress and that sense of having those six pillars actively in your life, thinking about how do I connect more? How can I be a more effective communicator? Where's my compassion for a situation or for people? What's my purpose? And, you know, how do I participate? And then ultimately being responsible for what I'm doing and how I'm doing it. So that was the first component that we found continuously through these people that we identified as shiners.
1: So self-leadership is just huge, isn't it?
2: It really is foundational for your life, for every aspect of your life, for, you know, when i I'll just take myself, when I'm being a good self-leader, I'm a better mother, I'm a better, better partner, I'm a better, you know, in my business, and when I'm not, I'm just not as good. It's mm. just really simple.
1: So three, three key components of all kinds of leaders. One is they've got self-leadership. What are those two other components?
2: Well, shiners also consistently were fanatically engaged in what they were doing, so in their life. And to me, this was really powerful. It's how they lived. So, and when I say fanatical, they were active. And I think, you know, our activity, how we, you know, I use the analogy you know, when, when you're sick and you're laying in bed, and if you stay in bed too long, you know how it makes you more and more tired?
3: Mm-hmm,
2: mm-hmm. And so when we're active, we're, our brain is active, our energy is active. And so fanatical engagement, first you have to love what you're engaging in. So you have to understand, like, what is it that I love about my work? How do I contribute? What is it that I love about being a mom or whatever? It doesn't matter. It's hard to be fanatically engaged in something that we're not enjoying. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then you have to actually care about taking action. And that fanatical engagement was a big, consistent um, component of people we identified as true shiners.
1: Wow. So there are people I know uh, out there that may be running multiple companies, so someone's CEO of several companies, they may be fanatically active in a variety of venues, but the sense could be in any one of those entities that they're really not all that present because they're spread too thin. Does that matter? Or the fact that uh, the people working with them, working around them say this person is really putting their heart into all that they're doing, can that be a strength? So I think
2: that being present matters, period, in our life. And, you know, when I'm at my best, I'm present with people. And when I'm at my worst, I'm not, because I'm, I'm not listening. I'm not really giving people their, the attention that they deserve. So, yes, I'm, am I spread too thin? Of course, you know, I speak, I write, you know, I'm a mom, I, and I'm an active mom. And how, how, do you, how do you show up it really does matter. I think that as a leader, what my job is, is pillar four, which is that sense of having a higher purpose Mm -hmm. and so i communicate that higher purpose at home with my i demonstrate it with my family i demonstrate that in my business so i can be spread thin and as long as the people inside my organization are aligned with our higher purpose and they understand that we're here to awaken the potential of people and hence the organizations they're in then they know what they need to do because I hire smart and talented people and my job is to get out of the way. So I don't have to be around directing and managing everything. I have to be around enough to coach and develop and honor the people that are working for me, and yet I also need to give them space because people are making mistakes all the time, Mm -hmm. and we only grow from them. Creating a responsible organization is ultimately the leader's job, and you have to do that through inspiration.
1: Let's talk a little bit about this higher purpose, because we've we've talked about it so many times, and I know when a lot of my listeners hear this, if they're listening at all with ears similar to mine, I'm connecting higher purpose, I'm thinking higher power, I'm often thinking spiritual values. I mean, some of my listeners say, well, that's right where I'm coming from. I'm thinking of a creator, a great spirit, maybe God as someone who leads me. But you're speaking about more than just what we would typically put in a, in a spiritual box. Am I right about that?
2: I think it's exactly that and more because it's how we apply whatever our own personal purpose is. Mm-hmm. So we want to connect. You know, what's the imprint we want to leave? When we, when we leave this planet, what is it that we want to have contributed? And to me, that is our purpose. And so when we're doing our work, if we want to, um, to know that when we leave, that we wanted people to respect our contributions, and or that we were a great parent, or whatever those things are that we want, we can tie them into our work and our everyday life. And that's the power of pillar four, a higher purpose. And what we found, the third piece of the shiner, you know, mm-hmm, I had said that mm-hmm shiners were great Mm self-leaders, and the second was that they also were fanatical in their engagement of life and Mm -hmm. whatever they were doing. The third piece was that they knew how to turn on their motivational switch, Hmm. and that ties back to this higher purpose. When you understand your purpose in life and you tie it into how you spend your time and how you contribute, whether it's at work or in your life, you find things that inspire you Rather than just being a part of the mediocre crowd, you know, mediocrity in, in my research around performance, and we call it the outstanding performance model, there were four levels of performance. And the largest level of performance is what we refer to as the mediocre crowd. At 72% of all organizations are full of mediocrity. Hmm. And if you want to be brand relevant, decrease the mediocrity.
1: Hmm. So you're saying that when you interviewed this this large pool of of leaders and others that seventy two percent of those represented are only performing at a mediocre level
2: That's correct now what's important to understand, David, is that we perform at a mediocre at mediocrity for a number of reasons so If you had just started a new job, you might have been great at the previous job with another company. Mm -hmm. When you join a new company, you have to learn all the new rules. So you're not performing at an outstanding level. Sure. Right? You have to grow back in. So that's one reason. Or another reason is that you change jobs inside of a company. Well, you have a new skill set. So your competencies have to shift. Right? You have to have the right mindset. And we call this the competency set. The right mindset is first. The skill set is second, and the third is the process set. So when we look at an, a, an, a new person or a new job for someone, we have to make sure we're giving them the right competencies. But also, at the same time, we have to understand that sometimes mediocrity is a derivative of our own attitude. If my mindset isn't positive, if I'm not out there uh, you know, getting fanatically engaged, I'm going to perform at a mediocre, a mediocre level. Hmm. You know, Sometimes if I'm bored, if I've been doing the same job a long time, if I'm mad at my boss, if I don't like my environment or my peers, then I tend to perform at this mediocrity. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Let, let's talk a little bit about the home setting because I know that many of my listeners, even if they may say, well, some of this business stuff is not relevant to me or I don't see how I can effect change in my workplace, I'm, I'm not in a leadership role most of them are in home settings or tribal settings or tribal communities where they do have some influence on other people. And as I'm listening to this dialogue and I'm listening especially to this talk about a motivational switch, uh, you've got my interest. We don't have much time left in this segment, but give us a, a glimpse of where we could go in our final segment that would make this relevant in a family situation
2: well, I think you can sit down with your family just like you can sit down with any any community and you can talk about, so what do we really stand for? Mm -hmm. And then as that conversation begins, what we stand for, now you can tie it back to the rules of how you're gonna engage with one another. Mm -hmm. It, It really goes back to pillar two, clean communication. You have to sit down, identify, well, what do we want our home life to feel like? And then how do we have to be to have that? And when you have that, when you lead that conversation,
1: People will start to shift. Wow, wow. Rini, we got to step away, but we're gonna come back with one final segment with Rini Cavallari. You don't want to miss this final segment because she'll be giving us some real life examples, things that will bring this all together and make a difference for you and those you love. We're back with more on American Indian Living. Don't go away. I'm Dr. DeRose.
0: Today's broadcast has been pre-recorded. However, if you have questions about today's show or would like further information, Please call 1-800-775-HOPE. That's 1-800-775-4673. We'll be right back after this. One day, I'll teach chemistry to kids.
5: I'm going to be an architect.
0: My dream is to be a chef.
5: At the U.S. Department of Education's Office of Federal Student Aid, we provide more than $150 billion each year in grants, loans, and work-study funds, making higher education possible for anyone at any stage of life. I can go back to college. I can change careers. I can make a difference. Federal Student Aid, proud sponsor of The American Mind. Learn more about Money for College at studentaid.gov. Diabetes is a serious disease that runs in families. If your parents or siblings have type 2 diabetes, you have a greater chance of getting the disease. If you're African American, Hispanic, or Latino, American Indian, Alaska Native, Asian American, Native Hawaiian, or Pacific Islander, you also have a higher chance of developing the disease. The National Diabetes Education Program wants to help you understand your risk. Visit the NDEP website at yourdiabetesinfo.org for diabetes prevention tools, including the Family Health History Quiz.
4: It started off as a normal
5: day. I felt fine when I arrived at the plant.
4: Ruth Junius's life was about to change. Then I dropped my keys. They kept slipping out of my hand. My arm felt numb. A co-worker asked me if I was okay, and I couldn't speak. I started to get scared. Ruth was having a stroke. People around her weren't sure what to do. They thought I should go home or lie down, but I knew something was very wrong. I wrote 911 on a piece of paper with my other hand, and someone called for me. Because everyone acted quickly, doctors at the hospital were able to give Ruth treatment that started to reverse the symptoms. Within a few minutes, I was talking again. I didn't know a thing about stroke before I had one. Now I make sure that my friends and family know all the signs of stroke so they'll get help fast if they need it. No stroke. Know the signs. Act in time. Call 1-800-352-9424 for more information. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, National Institutes of Health.
0: You're listening to Dr. David DeRose on American Indian Living. Your comments and questions are welcome. Call now at 1-800-775-HOPE. 1-800-775-4673. Here again is Dr. DeRose. You're back with the
1: final segment of today's edition of American Indian Living. Dr. David DeRose with Rini Cavallari. Rini is the CEO of Aspire Marketing. And Rini, for those who may just be joining us or who caught us somewhere midway in the show how does someone get more information about you, what you do, and some of the great resources you have?
2: Well, you're welcome to reach out to me personally, Rene R-E-N-I-E, at AspireMarketing.com, or you can go to our website, AspireMarketing.com. And if you're interested in any of the books I've written, you are welcome to uh, get them on Amazon.com.
1: And those books, again, if some uh, haven't caught them from the beginning of the show...
2: So, Aspire to Be, Aspire to Lead, and my latest book, Aspire to Shine.
1: So, aspiremarketing.com will get us there or Amazon either way, right?
2: That's correct.
1: Beautiful. Well, let's dive back in. We promised some real-life illustrations. We've been speaking about how good communication, not just good, but clean communication can make such a difference. We've talked about rapport, connection. But one of the things that seemed to keep coming up was having the sense of a higher purpose. Can you think of a story, Rini, where maybe uh, an organization, a group didn't have such a higher purpose, hadn't at least identified it, and when they did, everything changed?
2: Well, I can think of many. And one in particular was with a team of people, and it was a very big a resort destination mm-hmm. and they were struggling for years to align against repositioning and where they were going to take the business and they brought in um, a leader who had vision mm-hmm. and he was inspiring and he brought us into the loop to help solidify what is this strategy and then how would we live it how would we bring it to life inside our business and we started with their leadership team. And what was beautiful is together we collaborated and identified, well, what would allow you to stand out from the clutter, from all the other resorts that were nearby, and how would you create something that was meaningful? And they really identified that they stood for what um, their vision was, which was the good life. Mm-hmm. And that was how we synthesized it into one vision, one mission that they were going to stand together for. And then from that, there was training and development of the leaders, and they started to understand, how do we apply this? And now, how do I utilize my own six pillars? And they went through six pillars, training, et cetera, to be able to say, this is how I'm going to literally spread the word. Because when people understand where you want to go, it synergizes them together, and it starts to come to life. Mm -hmm. And then we integrated training to uh, from a customer service standpoint and how you'll differentiate with all of the team members. But it was really that leadership group that was there, and they became the voice of the mission. And then Aspire was there to help really build the foundation so it could live on without us. And because of that, they went from a failing business model um, to really thriving, and the ownership ended up being able to, you know, take the business further and further into where they wanted it to go. Uh, And everyone really felt joy in the process. But it started with that one leader that they realized, we need to be able to identify what is going to be significant about our brand, but not just say that. That's what tends to happen is that we change the logo or we change Mm -hmm. the name or the ad campaign. We don't understand that brands are about people. So how am I bringing the brand to life through the people versus just the physical plant or just the product we're promoting.
1: Well, that's an important message. So many times we take the uh, the brand, if you will, for granted, especially if we're a tribal entity, we may feel, well, hey, uh, you know, we're who we are. We we're proud of our identity, proud of our elders, but. If you're not inculcating that in some way, if you're not getting the team, uh, whether it's uh, an administrative team or whether it's uh, tribal members, kind of on the same page, you may all have the same aspirations, but you're just really not aligned. Am I illustrating that properly?
2: It's absolutely correct. I have seen where there was an amazing product and really talented individuals, and because they never aligned against their vision and aligned against their strategies, they were not able to execute. Hmm.
1: So, Rini, someone's listening. They've uh, resonated with this initial question that we had, how do we stop global whining? They realize maybe that they're in a situation where they've been complaining more than doing things. And I know it's easy to speak to leaders and say, you can shape your corporate culture. If you're on tribal council, you've got a big voice. But other people, whether they're in the heart of Indian country or whether they have no native roots at all, they're listening and they're saying, well, what can I do? I'm in a workplace where I don't feel valued. I don't feel that there's clean communication. I don't feel compassion toward me. What does someone do if they're not in what they consider a position of leadership and don't feel they're aligned with the mission of where they're at.
2: Well, in the extreme, sometimes we have to leave environments Mm -hmm. that don't serve us. And it's just a hard choice, and it is a choice. Mindset is first. And what's your mindset? And what life do you want? You can't wait for others to turn your life on.
3: You just can't.
2: This is that you don't know what the future holds. And so how can you set an environment that is positive, that is inspiring? You know, what we found is that shining is a human trait. It's in all of us. And we have to really look and say, how do I stir my positivity? How do I turn it on? Because negativity and cynicism, it's very noisy. It's very loud. Mm
3: -hmm. And
2: yet it shrinks us. And what we really want to do is change we want to we want to be the inspiration to affect change that allows us to grow and feel good even if it feels uncomfortable and change requires action david it doesn't come any other way mm-hmm. change either happens to us or we lead the change and we choose
1: wow that's that is a sobering thought so basically if we're not satisfied where we're at instead of complaining We need to take action, and maybe that's within our sphere of influence. Maybe we can change things. Uh, If we can't, then instead of waiting for things to happen to us, they they may well could, but we can also, if you will, take that bull by the horns and uh, get things to go maybe in a direction that we're more
2: excited about. Absolutely, and find things that bring us joy. You know, Take a look around because who you hang with is who you become. You can't help it. It just is how it works. Energy is like that. And yet we can, we can be the person on the elevator who turns to someone, puts our, puts our smartphone down and says to someone, how are you today? Or, you know, you know I hope you had a nice day. Or engage with people. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, we bring our light. And mm-hmm. when we bring light, we, you know, that's, that's the beauty of life. We can change how another person feels. And that makes us feel good.
1: No, I mean, these are great messages. As you're talking about the impact we have on others, I think of an illustration that we used in a a recent book. We've got a book out uh, called 30 Days to Natural Blood Pressure Control, and we talk about the social element in the health arena. And one of the illustrations we use is research looking at obesity, which, of course, has a bearing on our blood pressure, diabetes, heart disease, all that stuff. And uh, researchers have basically found that Obesity is spreading in the United States like a disease. It's uh, looking like, as you map it, a contagious disease. And so uh, behavioral scientists are saying we're being shaped by who we associate with. And it's exactly the same message that you're giving us in the business world, that really who we hang out with actually influences who we are. And it really is something that should make us think about who we're uh, uh, looking at as our close associates, shouldn't it?
2: Yes, we want to, we want joy. If you want joy, you have to look around and decide, well, are people helping us create a joyful environment or are they sucking our energy?
1: Mm. And we
2: have to be really careful about that.
1: Renee, you are just a wealth of information. I wish, uh, we had a whole series of shows that we were devoting to this, but our time has just about slipped away, and I know that some of our listeners are going to want to head over to your website. So if they're just picking up the dialogue, just catching the tail end, tell us one more time how people can connect with you and the great materials that you've got.
2: Well, you can, correct, you can connect with me directly at Rene, R-E-N-I-E, at aspiremarketing.com. If you'd like to find out more about the company, AspireMarketing.com. You can also get signed copies of the book through that site or Amazon.
1: Great. Rini, our time is just about gone. Before we finish up, some final thoughts for our listeners.
2: Well, shining is within all of us, and it's a, a human trait. And how you live reflects your choices. It's just that simple.
1: Rini Cavallari, thank you so much for joining us on American Indian Living.
2: Thank you, David.
1: Well, thank you, too, for those of you who've joined us today. I'm Dr. David DeRose. Hopefully today you've connected with some ideas that can help you be a better leader of your own life, a leader in your home, maybe a leader at a tribal level if that's where you find yourself or in a business. But It all boils down to some very simple and practical things. Rini Cavallari helped us again focus on those things that can help you aspire to be all you can and help those around you. For all of us at American Indian Living, I'm Dr. David DeRose, as always, wishing you the very best of health.
5: Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network.